Tonight we're learning about the mystical nature of light, the divine paradox of creation, and we're going to see in the statement of different statements of the sages, different places that light is mentioned throughout the written and oral tradition, a mysterious and paradoxical nature of light. And then we're going to try to probe where does that paradox come from. And then we're going to connect it to different paradoxes about light as revealed by science today. And then finally, hopefully we have enough time to do all this, we're going to take the letters of the word light and see how everything that we're saying from the sages, from the Torah, and from science can be seen in the three letters that make up the word light. Aleph, Vav, and Resh. So let's start with the first mention of light is the first day of creation. And in fact, it's the first explicit creation. Even though the first sentence of the Torah says in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. But the first thing that we have is called a divine utterance meaning, and God said, and we're told that there are actually ten of them, nine actually say, and God said, let there be something, and there was something. The tenth is Bereshit itself, the first sentence, even though it doesn't say it in the form of God said, it's considered an all-inclusive utterance. So the first explicit Creation and utterances, Yomer Elokim Yehior, Vayehior. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. So, first of all, this tells us something very important about the nature of light, is that it's the first explicit creation. That means that there's a certain importance about light. The general principle is the first time a concept or word is mentioned in the Torah, it becomes the central context for all other mentions of that concept. That light is the first creation gives it a, a, a status of its own, in a sense. The oral tradition, Rashi himself tells us something amazing. That this light was hidden away. It was revealed, and then it was hidden away. And Rashi says it was hidden for the, for the righteous in the time to come. And this brings us to the nature of light because everyone notices that the sun and moon was created on which day? Fourth day. So everyone asks the obvious question. If we're not talking about the light of the sun, which for us is the source of physical light, then what light are we talking about? What is the nature of this light? So according to the sages, this light was a, a spiritual light. It was a spiritual energy that infused all of creation, but then it was, it was withdrawn, it was taken away. A paradox. It's revealed, and then it's hidden away. When... Adam and Eve eat from the tree 
So one of the results is the, the Torah says they were given skins literally of leather. God clothed them with skins of leather. First it says that they were naked and they were embarrassed. They weren't embarrassed before, but after eating the tree they were embarrassed and they covered themselves up. And then later it says God made for them skins of leather. Now, does anyone know what the word for leather is? Or. Or. Yeah. How do you spell it? I am Vavresh. How do you spell it? Also skin. Also. But it actually says skin of or. Enclosement of or. Everyone notices that the word for the skin is when you hear it, it sounds the same as light or. The only difference is one is an ayin and one is an al. Teaching that's given over is as a result of eating from the tree, they exchanged or they lost their skin of or with an aleph and they assumed the skin of or with an ayin. Now what this represents is what we'll call a, a fall. Sometimes it's called the fall. But it also means that, that a light body became more material. We're actually told that Adam and Eve had light bodies. Now where is an allusion to this? When we make Havdalah on Saturday night and we say a blessing on the fire, what do we do? We look in our fingernails. What do we see? A reflection of the light. There are many reasons for this. One of the reasons is to remind us that once our bodies reflected light like our fingernails. However we understand that, we have light bodies. The eating of the tree meant a a densification of light and it became more material until we have this kind of a body. So again, very mysterious this exchange for or for or. Then we have, going back to the fourth day of creation, if you remember in the text it says God created the two big luminaries. And then the next verse it says the big luminary and the small luminary. So what's the obvious question? Yeah, like what happened? From one sentence to the other, there was two big luminaries and then it says there was a big one and a small one. And this is talking about the sun and the moon. So the the Talmud tells us that in the beginning the sun and the moon were the same size. They were the same uh, had the same strength and same uh, ability to emanate light. And the moon complained and said, how can two kings wear one crown? In other words, like it's crowded here. <laughs> so God said, okay, make yourself small. And the moon made itself small 
and now only reflects the light of the sun. Now this would take an entire class in of itself to, to explain what this is. Remember, every midrash is full of deep symbolic allegorical uh, parable. Again, you, you see that a, a pattern is formed here. First you had two great lights, but then one of them was hidden away. Again, you have revelation, or something revealed, and then paradoxically taken away at the same time. There, there are many, many other instances like this. One, uh, one is very important. Do you remember when Moses came down from the mountain? It's almost Shavuot. This is after he came down with the second tablet. It said that his face was shining with light. You see the same pattern again? He comes down with light. It's like he's beaming. But what does he do immediately? Fails it. He covers it up. So each one of these stories, we see the same pattern. The same pattern. Now what's interesting uh, about this is that in the Torah... It says that he had there were beams of light coming from his face. The word is Karen or. Now, now talking about paradoxes, look what happens here. When Adam and Eve exchanged light bodies for bodies of skin, it went from an or with an olive to an or with an ayin. So Moshe, he has beams of light and it's understood that, that, that it wasn't physical he, he was radiating light but nonetheless the word Karen, do you know another translation for it other than beam? Horn. Horn. Horn this is where Michelangelo gets the idea of horn. Jews have horns this is where it comes from so look at the paradox, how it was misinterpreted backwards. Now the light was interpreted, and it says it light with an olive, but it was interpreted as if you could have a physical horns really out of ore with an iron. Mm. So it's like, a, it's like a reverse paradox. Right, but it, in the Torah it's very clear that it's beams of light. And yet when it was translated in a sense into English King James English it was misinterpreted in a sense for physical horns now, now I'll tell you one more and there, there are more times that this pattern comes one more is it says in the, in the Talmud that when a fetus is in the mother's womb an angel comes and, you know, what, what it says? It teaches the, the, the fetus the entire Torah. And listen to this, and it says that there is a candle lit in the womb. Again, symbolic, but there's a candle lit light in the womb. What happens? Why aren't we all super geniuses? The baby comes out, it says the angel, that's why I have this cleft here, and, we, and the fetus forgets everything. Just to wrap up this part, so we see paradox and mystery about the way sages treat light. There's 
is an idea of revealing and hiding at the same time. The idea is, so where does this come from? So this is going to be a little Kabbalistic, and I'm going to keep it very, very, very general. But we're told that before God created the world, so the question is, well, what was there? Hashem. How is that described? Though? There was only God. What is that? How is that reality described in, we'll call it Kabbalistic text, but you know, it's been adopted by all of Israel. Anyone know the term for what's called the pre-creation state of divinity? Yeah, the angel, which means infinity. And it's also sometimes called the or angel. The light, the infinite light. Especially when you talk about godliness. In, and not just in Judaism, in virtually every religion, the metaphor that is chosen is light. This is almost universal. And when you want to talk about spirituality, divinity, the soul, uh, heaven, perfection, utopia, whatever you want to say, the, the, the metaphor that's used is light. So the question is why? So we see about light is light has no substance of its own, yet it radiates perfectly the essence of the giver of light. In other words, the light of the sun is the truest and fullest manifestation of the energy of the sun. And yet, if you try to pin down what the light is, it's totally ethereal. It's totally ethereal. We see, we'll see in, in a moment in science, a photon is massless. Which is, we'll see that part of the paradise where everything around us is light and yet it's massless. So that's why light, when, when they wanted to describe well, what was it like before creation? So they say the infinite light. So then the question is asked, this gets a little bit complicated, is the light the same as God's essence? Or is light a, also a creation? Even though it's very, very, let's call it a very uh, exalted creation. But it's a creation nonetheless. Now this question is applied to the or in self. Was the infinite light of God, is this like a description of God? Is this the essence or is it a close proximity? The answer, as you might imagine, is paradoxical. The answer is yes and no. You can see it in, in, in physics also. That, that's, the, that's the fascinating thing about this. In other words, there are philosophical problems when you say that the light is God's essence. But you also have physical a philosophical problem if you say that this infinite light was not God's essence. 
either way, but I'm just going to leave it there. That, that becomes very thick. <laughs> the idea is that, remember on the first day of creation, was there something before the light? The light is the third sentence of the, the Torah. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That is understood. That's understood. Heavens is everything spiritual. Earth is everything physical. Bradley, continue. The earth was, we call it, they translate the chaos and void. The choshech, that's what I'm trying to get to. And uh, on the face of the abyss, and the spirit of God moved upon the waters. That's what it says. The, the spirit of God moved on the waters. Yeah. And then light was created. So we have that first there was darkness, and then there was light. So we're told that when we read the first three sentences in the Torah, there's something going on even before that. It's reflecting a reality before that. First there's ain, nothingness. And then there's or ain sof. Then there's this infinite light. And then the Arizal tells us that God withdrew the light. It's called Simpson. Have you heard of this before? The, the, the Arizal explained when God wanted to create the world, where would he put the world? All there was, was God. Where would, you, where would an infinite being put a finite world that is other than himself so the Arizal explains that God as it were withdrew his presence and a vacuum was created nothingness his presence was light he withdrew that to create a place for the world and then and this is what this is, this is how it's understood the big bang a beam of light pierced into the vacuum and from this beam of light all worlds were created. Now let's just go back. If, if you follow this, we have darkness, light, darkness, light. Ain, self, the nothingness, and then the infinite light. It's taken away, just like that first light of creation, and you have darkness, and, or vacuum, and then you have the ray of light from which all things come from. So what I'm trying to get to right now is this ray of light. This ray of light reflects God's infinite light, which is one, and yet is the seed for all plurality. That becomes the paradox of this beam of light. That becomes the paradox of light itself. And you have to remember, everything in this world reflects a higher reality. So physical light reflects spiritual light. It must be that, there's, that the properties of physical light will reflect or mirror spiritual light. So this ray of light 
it's, it's a total paradox. It is the essence of God, and it's not the essence of God. So this beam of light is physical, because the physical worlds come from it. But the physical light, the altar rabbi uses the sun as the example. And he says like this, if you took the light coming from the sun, where would you make the division between the sun and its light? It's almost like a one of those uh, brain twisters. Where I'd like to like bring this together, I know this is pretty dense here, right? This is, this is pretty dense. But we see that light bridges worlds. Light bridges physical and spiritual, infinite and finite, essence and form. That is the nature of light. Yes, it, it bonds everything together. And we're going to see in science how true that is right now, actually. So just to bring that together, Kabbalistically, when we talk about the light of God and the infinite light, it's full of paradox. And why is that? Just one more step. Because God is totally paradoxical. For example, the, the expression... God is the place of the world, but the world is not his place. The other one is Mati Velomat. He's there and he's not there. God is imminent, but he's transcendent. Like he's here, but he's really not here. And, and there are many expressions like this. And one of them actually calls God the paradox of paradoxes. So since the light of God is the best metaphor of, of God himself, so if light is paradox, it must mean that the source of the light is paradoxical. And that's one of the secrets of the Mug and David. The Mug and David is two opposite triangles interlinked right you would think like how, how can they coexist one's going up one's going they, they represent completely different things but that's by putting them together the mug and Javi becomes the perfect symbol of how this is brought together and now what I'm going to do very very quickly is to try to explain how physical light mirrors spiritual light. So just to review that the nature of light is very paradoxical. It bridges physical and spiritual, infinite and finite, divine and human. And we're going to see in science space and time as well. So the first thing is and anyone who's studied any physics will, will know some of these things. I myself only recently became extremely interested in physics, uh, and I, I kind of regret all those years I blew it off. 
but in the last two years I've been trying to do my homework and it is beyond fascinating but when we talk about light so of the four principal forces in the universe which are electromagnetic uh, gravity the strong nuclear force and the weak nuclear force that's what we're told are the four basic forces that everything comes out of so we know that the electromagnetic force light is just a small band in, on the whole gamut of this uh, force radio radio waves gamma waves microwaves ultrared ultraviolet uh, x-rays all of the and light are all share the same properties so without going into the whole history of it which is quite fascinating when they in the last hundred years 150 years when they started to understand what light was so first they understood that light was a wave the wave that light that can be just imagined but its actual property is our waves and then no first let's go back with, with Maxwell let's go back one step Maxwell did an incredible thing he took two forces that were no one ever thought they had anything to do with each other one was electricity and one was magnetism this is like it's apples and oranges what, what does one have to do with the other and he revealed they're actually the same force they're actually the same force so this is the beginning of the, of the paradox of life that the whole electromagnetic field is paradoxical in its, its, its very essence because it's, it's, it's magnetism and electricity are actually the same thing and then they thought that light was waves and then they found out that sometimes it acts as particles so they, then they started thinking well wait a minute it can't be both either it's a wave or it's a particle but what have they found out about light it's both it's both and the amazing thing is most of the technological advances of the last hundred years are connected to the harnessing of electromagnetic energy everything that's around us is, is because we've learned to channel that energy but if you ask the greatest scientists in the world can you explain to me how light can be both a wave and a particle there is no one that can give that answer there's no one can give an answer and if anyone wants to read about this in, in greater detail so two very important books by Brian Greene one is called The Elegant Universe and the other his newest one is called The Fabric of the Cosmos and he, he says it over and over he said this is one of the greatest physicists alive now and he's so good because he can actually explain it somewhat to a lay person and he says over and over again he 
has not lost his his sense of, of wonder at this simple reality. Even though he, he does all of his equations according to this reality, but sometimes, I, I don't know if, if this ever happens to you. Sometimes I'm, I'm sitting on the phone, right, and I'm, I'm talking to wherever, Chicago, and I'm just like, this is kind of incredible, right? I mean, it took me exactly one second to push some buttons here in Israel. And within two, one second, someone picks up the phone in Chicago. Right? We take it so for granted. What's even more fascinating is when light decides to be a wave and when it decides to be a, a particle. But they went one step further. They found that every atom because it's emanating electromagnetic uh, force, energy. Every atom has a, is, is a wave and a particle too. That means the entire physical universe is based on a total paradox. And the more you get into quantum physics, the more it becomes totally clear how counterintuitive the world actually is. So one other thing about paradox of light is the connection with time. Because here, just like Maxwell put magnetism together with electricity, so Einstein put together space and time. Until then it was apples and oranges. What does one have to do with the other? What's the connection? Einstein revealed that they are totally intermeshed. And that, that's what we, we call it now the space-time continuum. Because you cannot divide them. And n equals mc squared. So the c squared is light. In other words, the physical property of light becomes the bridge between between matter and energy. That's what equals mc squared is. And equals mc squared is the equation showing how matter and energy also are interlinked. And what's the linchpin is light. Light becomes the linchpin connecting matter and energy. One more thing about time, which is also incredibly fascinating. We're told that Einstein's fascination that led him to virtually everything is that it's, as a teenager, he had this recurring fascination with trying to understand what it would be like to move on a beam of light. It was just like, like in Hebrew, it's called a juke baroche. He had this, had this idea that he couldn't get out of his head. What would it be like to be not just following the beam, but, but on the beam itself? What would happen? He later revealed the most astounding idea that at the speed of light, there is no time. Time does not exist at the speed of light. 
Or you could say it differently, <coughs> all of time becomes simultaneously. In other words, past, present, and future totally merge together. What we could relate to it is an Adonolam. Hu haya, hu hove, hu yiyya He was, he is, and he will be. If you look at the words for was, what's in haya, hove, the yiyya, the only letters in those three words are the four letters of God's name. Haya, hove, the yiyya, for God, it's all the same. Exactly what it is at a beam of light. But then you have the strange thing that time, at least in our perspective, is always moving. Or it seems to be moving, passing. And yet, the paradoxical reality of light is that it's constant. The speed of light is constant, 186,000 miles per second. No matter what the framework is, that's the amazing thing. So, in other words, all time which changes is measured by something that doesn't change. So, there's a verse for this. It says, "Ani Hashem lo shaniti." I am God, I do not change. But then you say, wait a minute. What is the source of all change in the world? Well, here, one step further is, is, is God. But God says, I am Hashem, I don't change. But that becomes totally paradoxical because without, creation is change. Creation is manifest change. So let's tie this together. Very, I'm doing this very quickly. But let's look at the three letters of light. Can everyone imagine an Aleph now? Okay. So in Kabbalah, the Aleph is called the letter of paradise. Why? Because look at the form. You have a yud going up and a yud going down and they're connected by a vav. And we're told that the vav connects and separates simultaneously. That's a, like a paradox. It's connecting but separating both at the same time. We could go into it so much deeper but the, the vav, the, the yud above is infinite, the yud below is finite. The yud above is God the yud below is man. The yud above is spiritual, the yud below is physical. And so the vav becomes the connecting point. Exactly what we said about light. But in its form, we can also relate to the form of the aleph as the wave and the particle. In other words, the form of the aleph is almost a perfect representation of the paradoxical physical nature of life. That's just the spiritual. The Vav. So the Vav means, what does Vav mean? And. Its whole essence is a letter of connection. That's why you put it in front of a word. It means and. 
But there's something very special about the Vav. A biblical Vav. It's called a Vav HaYipuch. But if you put a Vav before a verb in the past, it switches it to the future. And when you put a Vav in front of a verb written in the future, it switches it to the past. It transcends time. And it connects time. As you see the connection with everything we've learned today about the, the science. And again, I have to apologize because we're, we're skimming the surface here. But as far as spiritual light and physical light, the Vav is the bridge, it's the connection between everything that we learned about. And then we have the Reish. Now the Reish is curved. The Reish is curved. Now I'll just, just give two ideas about this. It was always thought that light will always travel in a straight line between point A and point B. This was the assumption for thousands of years. Until Einstein who proved that since light travels through gravity and is also has it doesn't affect its speed but it affects its reality uh, velocity the two things that affect light are gra- excuse me time excuse me time is gravity and light and the reason that light travels between two points in a straight line is because it will always try to get from A to B the quickest way possible. But Einstein showed that gravity bends all space. And he actually explained that is what gravity is. Gravity is a curvature of space. So in other words, the sun exerts gravity on the earth. If we could picture it, it's what actually is happening is is the, st- the gravity of the sun curves literally curves space so that the earth will travel around the sun because it gets caught in its gravity because it has bent space that is what gravity is no one understood it until Einstein Newton understood the effects of how it works, but he didn't understand how it works. Einstein revealed how gravity works. So, he, so Einstein revealed that light bends. So this is the resh. Right? The resh is like above, and then it bends. And then, the other thing is, what does resh mean? Rosh. Which means consciousness. When consciousness enters into a reality, the reality responds accordingly. So in other words, when you try to find the position of an electron, you're trying to find the position not only changes it, but gives it, it, it forces the electron as counterintuitive as it sounds, but they've proven this, forces the electron to choose its position. So the idea of the Roche, of the Reish of Or, is the role of consciousness in life.
So this idea of enlightenment, that's the race of war. Because the, the role of physical light and spiritual light is a process of enlightenment. I encourage everyone to actually look into this because it is, it, it is incredibly fascinating. And what's fascinating is that I don't claim that the sages necessarily understood the physical properties of light, but they did understand the spiritual property of light. Only now is the physical mirror image of that being revealed in the world. Now, light was the same as it was 2,000 years ago. So the sages intuited this through enlightenment, through revelation. And now science is explaining the physical way that this actually works. So I'll end with a blessing. We're coming to Shavuos, and this is one more idea. We're told that on Pesach night, an incredible light is revealed. Hopefully everyone felt it at the Seder. An incredible light, but we're told that it's immediately taken away. Another example I can bring before. It's taken away, and then each person through the 49 days of the Omer has to what's called create a vessel to hold this light which will be revealed again on Shavuos. So I want to bless everyone as we're getting closer to Har Sinai, we're getting closer to Shavuos, that we allow ourselves to partake of the light of Torah, that we allow ourselves to taste the, the light of Torah you know there's a cross imagery but taste the light of Torah and once we step into the light we'll want only, only to sunbathe in this light forever, that's my blessing to myself as well, that whatever level we're on we have a, a new chance to to receive the Torah this year. And, tar, and Torah is called light. Torah or. So we should have a, a blessing to have a Shavuot full of light. Amen. Amen. Amen.